1: Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Bucher. Rick Buker.
2: Welcome to another episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Bucher and Friends and part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Bucher. You can see me on FS1. Yeah, still. Read me on Bleacher Report. Hear me on Radio.com and Intercom Terrestrial Stations, as well as weekly on Fox Sports Radio. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear just me talking about what I exclusively feel are the most important or interesting topics in the sports world, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA on any given day. And that's here. So... My primary goal is to give you something else to think about other than COVID-19, otherwise known as, as the coronavirus. But first, I want to share with you my experience with it because in some ways, it's, I'm guessing, very much a lot like yours, and I imagine in some other ways, it is completely different. I decided to talk about this because I just went through the receipts for my last business trip before essentially all travel was shut down. And among them was a bright yellow one from the Lakers for my meal at Staples Center, March 10th, Lakers versus the Nets. One of the first games played with new protocol prohibiting the media from entering the locker room and requiring all interviews to be in a room with the media seated six to eight feet away from the players and coaches. Now, there was no rule about how close the media could be to each other, by the way, uh, since I've noted that uh, with the uh, presidential uh, press conferences, the media are seated in every other chair. That wasn't the case at this particular game. As it turned out, it was also one of the last games played before the NBA put its season on hiatus as a result of concerns about spreading the virus. Now, as we know, a couple of Lakers and four of the Brooklyn Nets tested positive for the virus, including Kevin Durant, who I ran into outside the Nets locker room after the game. Now, I don't know about you, but I initially took a lot of the measures being taken and being asked to be taken as not exactly an overreaction to protect the world at large because I understood that there, was a, there are people that are more vulnerable to viruses and illnesses than, than maybe me. But I just thought it was a touch overkill for my personal safety or the safety of my family for that matter. Uh, my wife's in good health. My kids are in good health, both teenagers. And so, as of early March, I was still flying down to L.A. to host or appear as a guest on FS1 at the Fox Studios, and staying in a hotel. And maybe some of the distraction was that I was given the chance to be the primary host of Speak for Yourself the first week of March, and consumed with my excitement over getting that chance and my desire to do a good job, I was paying attention to news about the virus, but it seemed to be mixed in with... Joe Biden's sudden surge from about to fall out of the race to leading the Democratic presidential primaries. The virus was something that was happening overseas. Something to be aware of, not necessarily something to be concerned about. And I don't know that I was alone. Other than the new media rule, I really didn't notice much different about procedures for the game that night. And I was kind of on alert I wasn't watching the game as much as I was watching what this experience was going to be like because it was so it was so different and the fact of the matter was I didn't notice a whole lot different the building was still full the media dining room dinner was still provided buffet style everybody was sitting around they weren't taking any extra measures to uh, stay away from each other I did notice they replaced the china plates and silverware with plastic dishes and plastic utensils, but that was about it. And I I thought that that might simply be because they had temporarily run out of the normal dish and silverware, which occasionally happens. My point in telling you all this is because I look at everything from that receipt to the entire night completely different now. Uh, Ran into the Nets coach, Jacques Vaughn, after the game. Jacques having just replaced Kenny Atkinson as the head coach. He and I have known each other for years. We've always had a good relationship. Knew him as a player. And so, knowing the protocol that had been put in place, first saw each other and approached each other, I thought we were going to do the the elbow bump. Uh, But he... Surprised me by sticking his hand out to shake, and we didn't go all bro-hug, but uh, I shook his hand, kind of laughing at, on one hand, we're taking this added protocol, and on the other, we're shaking hands. So, uh, after his press conference, we spent a couple minutes talking, just the two of us standing next to each other as, two people normally would trying to have a private conversation in any area with a lot of people milling about, which means we were standing fairly close. I now think about how I'm sure he shook hands or had some other physical contact with every member of his team, including the four infected players. As for Durant, I said hello as we walked by each other and I thought he might stop to talk, but he just acknowledged me and kept going. I was actually a little annoyed at the time, considering I've known him since he came into the league. And while I've certainly critiqued him at times, the last few times I talked about uh, about him, it was in his defense, either explaining why it was understandable he wouldn't want to stay with the Warriors because for all he'd accomplished, he had never been fully embraced the way Steph and Clay and Dre have been by the Warriors faithful and probably never would be, living in the Bay Area, I know that firsthand. And so I didn't blame him for that. And I never heard directly from him, but I did get word from others that KD was supposedly upset by me saying in early April that whatever happened, he wouldn't be staying with the Warriors and that I had heard that he was headed to the Knicks. Now, it wasn't until May that I learned he and Kyrie Irving had met to talk about joining forces and play for the Brooklyn Nets. They would do that at least one at a time. And I had very good sources telling me there was a good chance of that. I always would say, this is what I'm hearing, or this is what I know. But in the back of my mind, I still thought, he's not really going to the Nets. He's not going to the junior varsity. He's he's going to play for the Nets. He's, he's, at some point, he's going to say, Kyrie, I, I love you, but I'm gonna go play for the Knicks. The difference, the difference from a business standpoint, is so profound, and KD is such a businessman. I just, it was hard for me to believe that he would go in that direction. Now, tearing the Achilles changed everything, and I kind of learned that maybe after the fact, but nonetheless, uh, I knew it was one of the two. In any case, I figured that we'd known each other long enough. That if he had a problem with anything i was putting out there that he would tell me or he'd confront me rather than just give me the gold sh- the cold shoulder besides the only part I, I really reported as in i wrote about it in a piece was that he planned to leave the warriors the next part originally came up when i was asked on colin cowherd's show the herd if i was hearing the same thing as bill simmons about it being a done deal, Colin's words, or apparently Bill's words to Colin, that KD was going to the Knicks, and I said it was. You know, I was I I, I was hearing the same thing that it was a done deal. Um, now, if I thought it was a done deal, if I was ready to report it was a done deal, I wouldn't have waited for Colin to ask me. I would have written it for Bleacher Report with a whole story about why. And I'm not opposed to breaking a story or news on FS1, but if I did, I would tell them I have something to break, and that would be what would drive the conversation. I wouldn't be waiting for Colin to ask me a question, which, by the way, I had no idea was going to be part of our conversation.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.
2: But I digress. And I apologize for continuing to relitigate that whole story. But I figure if you understand why I said what I said when I said it, maybe you'll understand why I said what I said when I said it. All right. In any case, Katie, uh, when Katie all but brushed me off at Staples that night, I wasn't happy. Now, I'm relieved. Uh, By the way, I walked down the same hallway with one of the Lakers, and I think about that conversation too, and what I potentially could have taken into the FS1 studio with me the next day, or what I took home the day after when I flew home to my family. That conversation, by the way, still strikes me at how quickly this whole thing has moved, because it was then I was told, That, uh, well, I was I was asking about how asking the player, the Laker, how he felt about them continuing to play games, and was there any concern about their safety? And he said, no. You know that the health authorities had told him they weren't really at risk; they could get it, but it wasn't as if they were going to die from it or be severely impacted by it because of their overall health. And then he said there's a 95% chance that we're not going to be playing in front of uh, fans by the end of the week. And I thought that was a crazy... I, like, I couldn't believe it. And I even had another GM say, there's a very good possibility of that happening. And I still... It was just so foreign. It was such a departure from where we were. Literally, I just watched a game f- uh, with a building full and nothing different. And everybody being... In a good mood. And now you're telling me, no, it's going to be empty. I just, and then 24 hours later, not empty, completely empty. No games, no anything. That's how quickly this thing has moved. And again, I think about that conversation. Now, I live in a small town on the coast in the Bay Area. And at least two people in our town have tested positive for the virus. One of them happens to be a colleague of my wife, and who attended a meeting at our house before everyone was ordered to basically stay in their own homes, except for essential trips to the store or pharmacy. And we just learned over the weekend that she'd tested positive. In the midst of all this, my teenage daughter came down with an unusually severe headache and a sore throat, and reports about the virus being more of a threat to young people than previously thought we're making the rounds. Now, she's probably the most fit athletic person in the, families, the family these days, and I don't say that easily. My ego doesn't make it easy for me to say that, but it's the truth. Uh, she hasn't developed any other symptoms. She's still moving around, so we haven't looked into getting her tested. But it is something that we're monitoring. Uh, my wife had to make a run to the grocery store, and my daughter initially wanted to go with her. We decided it wasn't a, a good idea. The so bottom line is I've been pretty careful since I flew home from L.A. last week. I've made two trips to the grocery and a couple to the hardware store. But in every instance, I kept my distance from everybody But everybody else. Stores weren't particularly crowded. I used hand sanitizer as soon as I got back to the car. And the only people I've been around for the last 10 days are my, my immediate family, essentially. And yet, when all this happened, with my wife's colleague, with the news about KD and the Nets and the Lakers, I suddenly became aware of holes in my defense. But the discoveries after the fact about who we crossed paths with, who have since tested positive, brought home, literally and figuratively, how much we take our safety for granted, and at the same time, how much we depend on each other to do the right thing. Because I don't know about you, but I don't see this virus as an outlier. Despite the fact that technology has allowed more separation and isolation among us in many ways, our individual well-being requires far more of a collective effort, effort than I think we realize, or at least have acted as if we realize in recent years. Or maybe ever. Okay. I promised something that would take your mind off the virus. Here goes. I don't know if the NBA is committed to finding a way to finish this season. My instinct is the longer the hiatus goes on, the more the hunger to crown a champion will dissipate because of all of the factors, the the injury risk to players coming back, players having to dial it back up, um, and then the, the specifics of how you would make that happen. But now, I'm thinking that the league should do whatever it takes to find a way. Why? Because it would be the greatest contribution the league could make to fighting the virus. I'm not suggesting they open the arenas and and invite the fans and go about as if it's business as usual. Far from it. I don't think it makes sense to play in front of live audiences or even play in their normal arenas. I often talk about how the NBA in particular and sports in general operates in a bubble. In a world that runs by different rules than the regular ones everyone else lives by. That's where a lot of the problems occur, by the way, because it does operate by different rules. Just as other top-level entertainers and CEOs and uniquely talented, extremely wealthy people live by different rules. By the way, for any of you complaining that NBA players have found a way to get tested for the virus, while many in the general public are struggling to get tested, you don't think other rich people, CEOs, venture capitalists, etc., haven't bought their way to getting tested if they so desired? Of course they have. They have the connections. They have the resources. It just didn't make it into the news because we generally don't pay attention to them. That's why rich people buy professional franchises, by the way, because they want the attention until something happens that brings to light that they don't live by the same rules as the average Joe on the street and people get upset. And then they don't want the attention. But I digress again. The NBA should make living by different rules a positive attribute in this case by exerting all of its unique influence to provide the public with a much-needed distraction and much-needed proof that the virus can't take everything away from us. Look, they, they, they can determine what the minimal personnel is needed for each team to play a game. Quarantine that personnel at each practice site. I mean, set up beds if you need to. There's plenty of space in those places. Test and embed the the essential media needed to broadcast the games or whatever additional personnel you need to be able to put it out for public consumption. If anybody tests positive, they're put in quarantine, but the show goes on. Now, a lot will be different. No fans being in attendance will make certain of that. Playing in practice sites or in smaller venues, which is what I would recommend, just because it requires fewer personnel to actually run it, uh, all of that will assure that that it's different, that it's not the same as it's ever been. But let's be honest, that's already assured with what would be at the very least a six to eight week layoff in the middle of the season. Let's not worry about everything that would be different from any postseason before and concentrate on what would be the same. Three-pointers being drained from 30 feet, rim-crushing dunks, lightning speed, no-look passes, games decided in a battle of wills with less than three seconds on the clock. Just thinking about all that, watching all that again, gets my heart pumping a little bit. LeBron versus Kawhi, Siakam versus Tatum. Giannis versus everybody. Give everybody a chance to consume all that and the difference in the circumstances and the atmosphere might even add to the intrigue rather than detract from it. Not as a viewing experience. Not in light of what we're all dealing with right now. That's, that's just not going to be the focus. It's going to be, man... We get to watch basketball in the midst of all this, with almost nothing else going on, being the same, being normal. We get a get we get a chance to consume the game and the league that we love. Today's NBA players are disparaged all the time. At least I hear it for being pampered, for being soft, for not caring enough about the fans of the game. So. What if they committed themselves to doing whatever it took to play in spite of concerns that they might contract COVID-19? If they could do it without endangering anyone else? What if they were willing to bunk up summer camp style, dorm style, in order to put on the games that we want to watch? Now rest assured, if anyone has the wealth infrastructure, and resources to do it, it's the NBA. It would take considerable planning, discipline, individual sacrifice to do it, but it could be done. It would take guts. But they led the way in efforts to flatten the curve, to take the need for social distancing, or as I like to refer to it now, and give it a more positive spin, distance socializing. They're the first ones to make us take that seriously to have players recording PSAs and putting them out there to shut down all of their facilities. All the other sports followed. Slowly, maybe uh, reluctantly, but they didn't have much of a choice. Now, the NBA wouldn't be leading us back in the other direction as much as they'd be saying, let us do what we can to make your distance socializing a little easier to endure sure there would be critics those who would say they should be committing their resources in some other way those who would say they're doing it just to preserve the TV and sponsor money rolling in that's what it's all about it's the money those who would question if any team winning under these circumstances really deserves to be viewed in the same light as every other champion floating the idea of the proverbial asterisk so what's the point I might even be one of the latter as far as thinking that's a reasonable topic to compare what a champion would have to go through or what the circumstances would be that would result in a champion. But I'd never look at that or that question as a reason not to get the league up and running again. Having that, wondering how to grade out the champion wouldn't prohibit me from or, or convince me that it wouldn't be a great thing to find a way to crown one. We can talk about what it means and the full value or historic comparison later. Look, whatever the League wants to contribute to resources to help people pay their bills and put food on the table... That's all well and good. But let's face it. It's not what they do best. It's not what we want from them. We know what that is. I'd be all for them doing all the extracurricular things. What we need is what they do best. We need them to play. We need them to entertain. We need them to remind us what it is that we're missing, and, we lo- and why we love it as much as we do. Wouldn't that make all of us feel better? I have to think that it would. All right. That does it for this episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. Uh, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want us to do something for you, I have uh, one of the t-shirts that was given as a memento at the Kobe and Gianna Memorial. And uh, I've decided that I'm going to give that away to one of our listeners. So screenshot re- your review and send it to friends, and you'll be eligible for that t-shirt. Also, trying to figure out with the lack of content out there how much you guys would appreciate having more than one podcast a week if we should go back to the three times a week if that uh if that would be something you guys would like and would make it easier things for you make it easier for you then i'm certainly open to doing doing that and arranging it and finding guests and doing all that as of right now just because of things being as abnormal as they are uh, I've been going to the weekly model but I will ramp it up if that's what you guys want you just need to let me know one way or the other either via Twitter at Rick Bucher or at Buker friends uh, that those those messages will find their way to me um, that's probably the best way so uh, or in the reviews on the uh, on the podcast itself alright so Um, We'll wait to hear from that. And if I hear from you guys that you want more, then we'll certainly be bringing another one in the next couple of days. I'll be joined by either Ryan Hollins or Will Blackman or one of my guests from the NBA. I do have a number of people that I'm still in contact with and we'll find out how they're dealing with it from their end of the spectrum. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening and stay safe.